happy, happy Wednesday. It is that time for another information-packed episode on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Before I keep talking, let me just double-check my mic work. I just switched the mic. Mic check, mic check, mic check. Sounds good to me. Would you double-check my mic for me, please, if you don't mind, on the Facebook? All right. I think we're good. But if you cannot hear me, please drop a comment down below. It's time to discuss some interesting information. Ooh, wait, before I do that, before I do all of that, let's do announcements. Announcements. So for those of you who are new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are in episode, what episode are we in? My goodness. Episode 156. And we'll be talking about trend alert. Buyers cutting out the buyer's agent in hopes of winning these bids, the bids on the property. I have been noticing, and I know a lot of my colleagues experience this thing as well. So I think it's very important that we have a conversation about this. Talk about the importance and significance of buyer representation. So I'm advocating for buyer's agents. I am advocating for buyer's agents. As I'm working more as a listing agent in this current market, and I'm noticing I get solicited or called so many by so many buyers, I need to talk about it. Before I do that, let's do disclaimers, of course. Disclaimers, if you have a, a, if you have a specific case or scenario, please seek legal and tax advice from those appropriate licensed and reputable professionals. I'm a licensed California real estate broker, also known as super agent. And of course, I am a pricing strategy advisor, short sale foreclosure certified, and a seniors real estate specialist. That means I focus and work with the senior community. Love my seniors. So awesome to work with. Just have, I think my oldest client this year has been uh, age 84. I'm looking to break that record. Let's see if I can get a client who's maybe 89, maybe 89. I'm pushing it. So, so far 84. And I just love, love, love working with the senior community has a special place in my heart. And it requires a lot of patience when you work with those clients. Of course, you know, price of admission and watching the show and getting all this real estate gem free game is free game. Press one lets me know you're here. So drop that in the chat below. Press to press two lets me know you shared it. So one lets me know you're here. Two lets me know you shared it. And what are we talking about today? Those crazy housing bidding wars, bidding wars, and this growing trend. Additionally, oh, I did say I want to do announcements. So announcements, if you are in LA County, if you're in LA County, hold on. Let's pause this real quick. So if you're in L.A. County, L.A. County is offering a breathe program for those who are in the LMI, low to median income, L.A. County breathe program. So this is a pilot uh, running for three years, pilot um, offering, hold on, $1,000 per month for three years. See, did I put that right? Thanks, Regina. Welcome to the show. Regina Cunningham is in the building. Welcome to the show. So LA County Breathe Program, pilot offering $1,000 per month 
for three years. And that should be FOR, right? <laughs> and if you are eligible, you have the opportunity. They're, they're selecting 1,000 people. And the concept of this BREATHE program is to help people breathe easy, to alleviate the stresses of the finances and allow them to seek higher education, professional training, certification, or uh, pursue other avenues so that they can you know, uh, increase their viability in the community or, you know, or do more community support. So wanted to put that out there. Shout out to those who are tuning in on ERGJ. Let me go back to that ERGJ Enterprise, ERGJ channel. Thanks for tuning in. And we are streaming. If you have a show or platform that you would like us to stream alongside as well, go ahead and reach out to us. Of course, DM me or send me an email, lisa at LA Super Agent. And I'm happy to connect our channel, which airs live on Wednesday at 11 Pacific time. All right. Anybody in the mood for extra money? Certainly I am. So if you're in LA County and you're eligible, they are offering $1,000. Did I put $1,000? I hope and not 10,000. Woo. Save $1,000 per month for those who are eligible. So, oh, 18 and up, and you cannot be participating in, in an already county or city program. All right, class time. Class time, of course, before I do that, what must I share? I've got to share that today's uh, show segment is sponsored by Real Estate 100, the Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint. Make sure you grab your copy, grab your copy. I have to say shout out to co-author and author uh, Anthony Lee of Philly, Philly Realtor, Philly Investor, doing phenomenal, phenomenal things out there. A lot of community outreach. And in fact, there are a lot more teachers because of his work and his connection with the community. There are a lot more teachers that are finding out about this gem, Teen and Millennial Investment Blueprint. Okay, we talk about house hacking. This is part two to the Real Estate 100 series. We are releasing part three, which will be discussing the teen and millennial land developer. I'm telling you, I want to be the Harry Potter of real estate is I'll have a whole book series of that. So we'll be right back after the sponsor break. That's right. Grab your copy at any of the online retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or you can go direct if you're looking to do bulk orders. It's best to go direct. So you can send me an email, uh, lisa at lasuperagent.com or reach out to the publishing company, livingpurplepub at gmail.com. If it's too long, you can send me an email. And shout out to our radio podcast listeners who are tuning in on all podcast platforms everywhere. All right. Classroom style. I was able to do this, which I'm glad. So let's talk about this. I am hearing more of this, you know, wanting to leverage working with the listing agent as an advantage or a buyer leverage. So I ask you, true or false, let's read these set statements together. 
Let's read them together. The first one says, I prefer to work with the listing agent because it gives me leverage. True or false? Is this true or false? Hmm. Do, 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 do. False. False does not necessarily give you leverage. No. At least if your agent or listing agent is working in their fiduciary duties, fiduciary duties. All right. Statement number two. Do you think the seller will accept less if we work with the seller's agent? That means you, the listing agent. True or false. Will the seller accept less because the agent is representing both parties in a dual agency transaction? I'll drop that in the chat below. That's called a dual agency. That means, of course, if you are a student in my class, you know what that means, right? Represents both sides, right? Uh, seller and buyer. So if we have a dual agency, does that mean that there is more leverage there? You'll certainly win your bid there. I know how many of my colleagues are like, oh, this is driving me nuts, especially if you are a buyer's agent or even if you are a accredited uh, buyer's agent, meaning you have a very specialized and trained designation to represent buyers, which is so important. Buyers need representation. And we'll talk a little bit about that shortly. What about the last statements? You, the listing agent, get to double pop the deal. Is this true? Brother Dean in the building. He says, hashtag team 12, team one, two, team one, two. Uh, is this true? True or false? Do you garner a buyer leverage with any of these? The mindset is so interesting here because there are a couple things that are at play. One is timing. Timing is at play in these transactions. Two, money. <laughs> money is definitely at play. So why I say timing? Because oftentimes sellers are looking for a quick sale. They want a smooth sailing, literally, pun intended. They want to sail on through, get their property sold, marketed and sold, in a quick time, unless they have some other conditions or contingencies, meaning there might be a tenant occupying. And sometimes even if they have a tenant occupy, they want to sell very quickly. And oftentimes you'll find that they'll even take less on their asking price just because they want to move on. In fact, we'll talk about that next week about some things that we're seeing impact this market, which is this COVID protection that is almost creating a fire sale in properties because homeowners who are landlords, the small mom and pops who've been carrying the, the nation for the last 18 months and so have not received rent payments in that amount of time. So if you're experiencing that or someone or know someone who's experiencing that, and maybe you're in a position to take that on, you might want to negotiate that deal. Of course, bring in a professional to assist you iron out the terms and the legalities, of course, but there may be some great opportunities to pick up properties at a reduced sale or below market value because the tenants are quite a challenge. That was all sidebar for those of you who caught that. 
<laughs> you're gonna look at the timestamp. What timestamp was that that she said that? Where are they having fire sales and properties? Just pay attention because there's a lot happening right now because of this pandemic. And we know that uh, foreclosures are ticking up. So yes, we'll start to see a lot more of that. And why is that? Because a couple of things is what I'm, I'm hearing and I'm learning is we have those who have not returned to work. Those forbearance plans are expiring. In fact, I feel like I'm repeating myself because we talked about it last week, but I think I'm repeating myself for good cause, right? Because you may listen and you may be listening and say, where can I get a deal? Where can I get an opportunity to purchase, right? With less competition. I'm giving you the game now. All right. So as we revisit these statements, I prefer to work with the listing agent because it gives me leverage. I get that phone call on a regular. In fact, daily people call me direct. And as of recent, and we'll talk about this, it's that this is as a result of a class action lawsuit in terms of being able to see clearly who the listing agent is on these third party websites, your Trulia's, your Redfin's, your Zillow's, your um, Open Doors, your uh, who else is out there? Movado, uh, Fizbo. There's so many websites who, that we uh, communicate, or I would say syndicate. Thank you. Syndicate that we syndicate from our multiple listing service. They get syndicated and oftentimes buyers prior to this new change, and this is a recent change as a result of a lawsuit that the Department of Justice got involved in, this is a new change that now it has to be very clear who represents the seller, who is the listing agent. Because before, notice, and you'll go back and notice this shortly when you go back online and a lot of people uh, really like using Zillow as a search engine, but it's so funny because the MLS is the search engine or Vesta Plus now is what it's called is one of the primary search engines for the real estate community or realtor community. I'll touch on that some more. I'm giving you context here because this is how we got into buyer's agency. This is how we got into people calling direct is because they were calling lead uh, paying agents. Meaning if you are an agent and you paid Zillow for a featured spot, on their website next to a new listing. For instance, I just put a park uh, property on the market, put a new listing on the market. It now has to be very clear that this is uh, my listing and that I, uh, our brokerage is representing the seller, phone number and contact information. Before this class action lawsuit, it was not as clear. You'll notice this change, right? Before, if you weren't privy to this information or this little secret in the business, you would just click the button or call the agent that was featured right next to the picture of the house. Oh, that's who I should contact for more information because they may be the one selling it. That was the perceived angle when they were selling those featured spots. We get Imagine we get solicited all the time. We put this listing out, they sell They sell us on, hey, we can get you featured in the number one spot next to your property. It's like, huh? But I'm the one selling it. So you're going to sell me the spot to be featured next to my own listing? Crazy, bananas. But yeah, that's what was happening. So 
Now that this class action lawsuit has gone underway, there's some different terms that came about. Two things uh, have now become clear, right? Two things. Who represents the seller and who is seeking to represent the buyer? And how much commission that buyer's agent is earning? So let's go back to the 1980s. Prior to the 1980s, 70 years prior, 70 years prior, the listing agent, also known as the seller's agent, represented the seller and a sub-agent or what we call a cooperating agent would procure or bring an offer. They would have a buyer. They knew somebody who would want to uh, submit an offer on that house. They would submit to this listing agent. And guess what? By that action, the buyer's agent became what is called a sub-agent to the seller. And in fact, was representing the seller's interests first and foremost over the buyer. And we learned that this was happening, at least the effect of it, when the Federal Trade Commission surveyed the buyers in the 1980s. And what did they find? They found out that more than 70% of buyers believed the agent who submitted their offer represented them. Naturally, right? Naturally, you say, I talked to this person. They helped me write the offer. They gave me some tips, perhaps. They were the expert, gave me some advice. They represented me. They were my, my buyer's agent. But back then, that was not the case. So now we have what is called a buyer's agency. And if you're in a state that follows agency laws, we have to disclose who is working for whom. It has to be clear who is working for whom. And the reason why you would want a buyer's agent, of course, in today's market or any market for that matter, is because what we were noticing prior to the 1980s a lot of the buyers were receiving a short end of the stick. What does that mean? I know so many people, especially my clients who purchased back in the 60s prior to buyer's agency. You hear that? The people who are selling now purchased in the 1960s. So all these agencies and different parties and the whole motion aren't things they were experienced to because back then they either went directly to the bank, they picked a house from a list and they paid or they or they got a bank loan, they got the mortgage, they signed, they got, got it notarized, it was recorded, they got their grant deed. And a lot of my clients to this day have their old papers with the grant deed, which is super cute. But now you've got to put it in context in today's market. A lot of those clients are not aware of these agency relationships, right? The disclosures, things like house, homes built in 19, prior to 1978 have lead based, those types of things, right? And if you're in other cities or states with other uh, important facts, like needing to weatherize a property because it gets so cold, or is it um, in a flood zone, earthquake zone, now California, because paradise had burned in the last two, three years or so, we now have a fire disclosure. Is your property in a fire uh, area or prone to fires? So this is why buyer representation became key is because you received expert advice. The agent points out defects and deficiencies as well as provide CMAs. Bonus question. 
Can you tell me what CMA means? You'll get a gift here. You'll get the 16 ounce Ready Set Real Estate Cup. I'm giving away stuff. You know, I always give away stuff on the show. So can you tell me what CMA stands for? CMA stands for. I'll give it to you. First person who drops it in the comment below lets me know the answer before the end of this show, the end of the live. That's why you got to catch the live. What does CMA stand for? For your very own 16 ounce Ready Set Real Estate Cup. This is what I drink from. <laughs> All right. Buyer advocate during negotiation. I oftentimes ask my clients, who do you have as moral support? And if they're going it alone, they're leaning on their, their agent as an advocate. Am I making the right decision? Is this the best decision? What should I be looking out for? What do I not know? What don't I know, right? I'm going to add that here. Uh, free gift. What does CMA mean? to have fun on the show so for your free gift drop in the comment below first person to type that down what does cma mean we're talking about buyer's agent you write an offer right and the offer how do you come up with the price out the sky <laughs> you check zillow's zillow's estimates right you make up these numbers where are you getting the price from how do you gauge what price you should come in at so again this is what i'm asking for your free grift, drop that chat comment below. What is the answer? What does CMA mean? Let me know by the end of the show. Okay. Then there's a high level of diligence when gathering information, especially when I work on the buyer side and we are in an environment of California, not so much of the other states, you call it something else, but ADUs, all these acronyms. You're like, Lisa, you're blowing my mind. RPAs, CMAs, ADUs, what? <laughs> ADUs stand for accessory dwelling units, accessory dwelling units. And with all the changes going on with that, it's important to have an expert or someone who's knowledgeable or will know how to find the answers for you to guide you along that process right? In constructing an offer with price and terms that are favorable, favorable to you. Now, here's why it's that much more important to go with buyer representation. Now, what I've been really concerned about is folks are out here telling people to waive appraisal contingencies. What does that mean? That means that you are purchasing this property regardless of what it's worth. They're also being advised to waive inspection contingencies, which is also concerned because I don't know anyone who does, who makes one of the largest investments and waives an inspection contingency. What does that mean? That means unless you're experienced. Now, even my most experienced investors still have inspections. In fact, a lot of them don't even want to waive the inspection because they know they're liable to find something they cannot control that is could be defective or deficient with that property. So this is only advisable if you are experienced is what I oftentimes find. In fact, on certain transactions, I do not represent both sides. I do not represent the buyer if I'm representing the seller. I will refer that out to a team member or colleague. 
all the more reason for you to get on my list, right? <laughs> I do have a list. Go out to, um, I'll drop my link tree. And if you are a licensee, regardless of where you are, get on the list. Let me know what area, let me know what area you specialize in so that we can get you uh, added as one of our referral partners. All right, we'll talk about that. Great question. So Yvette says, what is, what is the difference between advocates and deficiencies? So two polar opposites, right? Two different things. So you have an advocate that is rooting for you, that is supporting you, and the buyer's agent, and, and that's what we're speaking of, is buyer representation, is advocating you in your decision, supporting you in your decision. They're guiding you on whether they are defects with that property or deficiencies. Deficiencies meaning things that may not be up to par especially when you talk about resale homes of existing properties. Oftentimes maintenance is deferred and there are things that may be um, not to par again, not up to standard, not up to code. But of course your buyer's agent, unless they're experienced in that area, are not also contractors, but they and they can refer you to those professionals, albeit inspectors, plumbers, roofers, electricians, pest control um, specialists, etc cetera, etc cetera. so great question all right moving on to the creation of an agency relationship so if you are licensee or soon to be licensee i want you to pay attention to this uh part as well as those of you who are in the buyer side of the market pay attention to how you may create an agency relationship i'll i'll share with you what my method is in terms of employment and when i work with someone because I want to be very clear. When we are all clear, it makes it very easy for us to know how to move accordingly to our roles, right? So the creation agency relationship can happen in one of three ways. The first being oral. It's a verbal agreement between two parties. Very different when you're representing a seller. And in fact, I'd be very concerned if, the, if I only did an oral agreement with the seller and they say, yes, Lisa, I would love for your company to help me sell my house. And we just agree verbally and we're good to go. Not going to fly. But on the buyer side, I think this is where the area gets a bit gray is because there's this oral agreement that can happen in conversation. Hey, are you in the market to buy? Yes, I am. Great. The question people oftentimes, licensees forget to ask, are you working with someone? Are you under contract with someone? Are you under agreement with someone? And oftentimes buyers are thinking, hey, the more agents I have looking for homes for me, the better opportunity I may have in finding something. Agreed? No, no. In fact, I would dissuade this approach because I think that's how you lose this thing called fiduciary duty from an agent if you are not clear, unless you say to that agent, hey, yeah, I'm working with you. I'm working with some other people and may the best agent win. And whoever finds me the house, they'll earn the commission. You can do that. Sure. Is the best approach. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what your situation is. So you might want to revisit getting into these agreements with a buyer's agent or buyer either side orally. 
for me, I stay away from oral agreements, or at least I will say, or I'll start with an oral agreement and I'll back it up with what? A contractual agreement. We'll get to there, get to that shortly. Then there's the implied agreement created by words and actions by the parties. Now I did a training uh, last in 2019. I did a training why it was important for buyer's agents to use contractual documentation for their agreements. And there's a very, very notable case with Taylor Swift's camp. Taylor Swift was looking for a property and she, her, one of her team or staff reached out to a buyer's agent and was inquiring about, uh, you know, different properties in the market. And the buyer's agent decided that they would go ahead and send over a list of properties. So here we have an implied agency agreement where it was created by words and actions by the parties, right? So the action was on the part of the buyer's agent. They prepared the profile, sent over the list of properties. And what Taylor Swift's team decided to do was look at that list and they decided to go work with another agent to submit an offer and buy the property on the list in which buyer's agent, let's call it buyer's agent A, sent them. Taylor's team closed on the property. I believe that transaction was 1.7 million. So take 2% of that commission. What's the math there for me? 1.7 million, 2%, we're at something like 20, something thousand, 34,000, something like that. So now you have your commission at stake, right? Close to 27, over $20,000 easily. Over $20,000. What do you think that buyer's agent does naturally they feel like hey that was my commission i sent you that list you were working with me were they so now this goes to court now this goes to court pay attention what is the ruling the court held in favor of taylor swift and said hey buyer's agent You don't have a contractual agreement stating that you were in a buyer agency relationship with Taylor Swift. No commission, nothing owed, but heartbreak, lost opportunity, and cost of the litigation. Mm, Bummer. So now I have to say that, and I lean on this one in creating agency relationships, is contractually where it's documented. And if you are an active real estate professional, we have forms for that, albeit through um, your association or the standardized forms or also the general forms as well. There are listing, excuse me, buyer's agency representation agreements that are available that you can present to a buyer and say, hey, these are the terms in which we're working together for a period of two months period of three months, six months, a year. Now, here's what I want to ask you as a bonus question, because it came to me by way of a client. A client wasn't aware that she signed a buyer's agency relationship, and that buyer's agent signed her up to work with her for an entire 12-month period. Now, I'm not knocking how other people work, 
but I'd be concerned in signing an agreement to be looking and working together for 12 months. My standard tends to be 90 days. Why? Because I do this full time. I've got to keep pushing and working and moving forward. If I've got someone that's looking for such a long time, we've got to revisit our plan and options. Is the market too aggressive, right? Do you have sufficient down payment? What loan type are you using? What are your financial circumstances and situations? Can they improve? Will they improve? So we've got to put a strategy together, which is why I have a, a strategy meet with my clients so we can put a plan into play, right? No more consultations, strategy meetings only. So here's the bonus question. Can a buyer's agent charge a buyer a fee for representation? Can a buyer's agent charge a fee to the buyer for representing them? Just like your tax advisor charges you to represent you when they do your taxes or an attorney that you consult with and they hire you to represent you or your doctor, you're paying them a copay or co-insurance. Who else? What other medical professional line of, uh, or line of professionals are out there who you pay fee directly to? And it's interesting because in, in real estate, it has long been held and that's because prior to agency relationships, or the kind of the clearing or being clear of agency relationships, the sub-agent, also known as what today's buyer agency, agency is, represented and worked for the seller. So the seller was paying out the commission. So the answer to that is yes. The buyer's agent can charge the buyer a fee for representation. The question is, do they? Some don't. They say, I will already receive payment as a cooperating agent or broker according to the MLS policy guidelines. So let's talk about this thing of commission. Who is paying for the commission anyway? In fact, I, I as a result of this class action lawsuit, I've had to now revise my part one book, The Teen Home Buying Experience, because it had been long held that these assumptions that the seller was paying for commissions for both sides. So let's break it down. So here we have the seller pays for the listing broker fee. This is the listing company or slash listing agent that represents the seller. That fee can, that fee, let me say this right now, is not fixed by law. It's not fixed. So it can be anything. What it is on average varies per state and varies nationally. So do your homework. What is that fee? This is why we have so much competition in the, uh, let's say, iBuyer or the technology arena that is coming to challenge the commission structure in which listing agents are charging sellers to sell their property. Everyone feels they can do it easier, quicker, and for less. But is that the case? There's a lot of risk that is taken uh, when a listing agent is working on a contingency fee. Depending on where you are, there's a model of doing it based on a, um, you know, a la carte or per services or have a tier. So various, uh, various fee models are available as well. You just got to give your clients options. Then two, the listing broker 
offers to pay the cooperating broker, also known as the buyer's agent, a split of that fee that they had negotiated with the seller. So for example purposes, let's say 6%. (laughs) I would say 6% and I jokingly say that is because that is the name of this lawsuit, is this class action lawsuit on the 6% commission. So for example, that 6%, that 6% that the seller agrees to pay the listing broker, the listing broker is now deciding, right, in their agreement with the seller, how much they're going to pay the cooperating broker, which is the buyer's agent. And you've got to realize here too, that the cooperating broker, according to our contracts and agreements, are paid if they are participating member of the MLS or a reciprocating MLS uh, board or uh, agency. That's what it says. What is the cooperating broker fee? And if you're not a participating member, then the commission can likely be less or different to the buyer's agent or not get paid at all. Read the fine print, people. Number three. So once that fee has been set, or I would like to say preset between the listing broker, the seller, and what they're going to pay the buyer's agent, where does this money come from? The buyer's offers, offer price. So in theory, right, or what would you say in uh, what practicality or theory Who's paying for it? It's the buyer's offer price that's covering the cost of the broker fees. And the amount is debited from the seller's proceeds. So what usually they would take home after paying off any liens, debts, credit cards, escrow fees, title fees, broker fees are debited from the seller's proceeds unless, because this also is a growing trend, unless... You see this also on auctions. The buyer is paying a premium. The uh, very big popular home that sold for a record called The One in Bel Air had a 12% buyer's premium. That property sold for $126 million. The buyer paid the commission. Who paid the commission? The buyer paid the commission, 12% which whatever the arrangement was, was paid to the auctioneer platform and to the listing broker. They sometimes call it marketing fees, transaction fees, um, you know, commission, broker fees. It comes in different terms, but it's still a fee to the brokers. Then you have, of course, this recent class action by the seller's agent, uh, sellers against brokers, which has now resulted in this the disclosure of buyer's agency fees. The reason being is they feel like, well, buyer's agents or buyers need to realize that since their money is the one covering the cost for the broker fees, they should understand that the buyer's agent is being paid out of that. And oftentimes it is causing the price to be inflated, right? Because if the buyer's agent has to be paid, The listing agent has to be paid and we have two representation in a transaction. It tends to inflate the price talking about, you know, anywhere from 1% to, to more or up. 
And it doesn't have to be a percentage. Let me be clear about that. Uh, fees are not fixed by law and nor are they set to be a percentage of the purchase price. They are what the seller and the listing agent agree for it to be, a fee, flat fee, or percentage. Now, here's what's interesting is that the Department of Justice, even though um, this lawsuit was against uh, sellers, against the top five big brokers across the, the country, the Department of Justice stepped in and said, hey, well, you know, let's really look into what's happening here as it relates to cooperating brokers and compensation. CoreLogic, who owns the MLS and the National Association of Realtors, had come up with policies and revised their standards to appease or to come to some sort of settlement agreement with the Department of Justice. Meanwhile, they had agreed to some things. It was very interesting to see that the Department of Justice reneged, meaning they backed down on their agreement because they wanted to reserve their right to pursue or review any possible loopholes that the National Association of Realtors may have that they don't completely understand is happening with the MLS cooperating policies as it relates to broker compensations. So I gave you a whole history as to uh, answering our first point of question. What is it? Our first point of question is, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Is it beneficial for the buyer to work with the listing agent or the seller's agent in hopes of snagging a win based on what I've shared today? Now, I leave that answer up to you, depending on your experience, your situation, and of course, what your goals are in terms of your real estate. And I have to say your goal, because is it a long, short-term game or a long-term game? All right. With that, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been fun. Make sure you grab a copy if you are a homeowner. Get your CFPB Homeowner's Guide to Success. Send it over to uh, email me at lisa at lasuperagent.com, lisa at lasuperagent.com, so you can get your free guide to homeowner success. And stay tuned because we've got a lot more classes and projects coming up this year. I'm really excited because there's so much happening. And if you need to reach me directly regarding a specific case, a scenario, you're selling, buying, you're needing coaching or training, feel free to reach out. 323-488-3265, 323-488-3265. And by the way, I'm still waiting for the answer to that bonus question. What was the question? The question was, what does CMA mean? So first person who drops that in the chat gets a copy or gets gets a copy. You don't get a copy. You get a cup. You get the custom Ready Set Real Estate 16 ounce mug. And I love this mug. I've, I've had it for some time already. Super, super awesome. All right. Any comments, questions, feedbacks? I'll give you a moment. If not, then I've got to sign off and say till next time. We'll see you next week. Another information packed episode of Ready Set Real Estate. Bye.